welcome to episode two of Amber and Amulets. In this episode, I will be talking about Colorado plant spirits such as the pinyon pine tree and their pine nuts, choke cherry, wild bergamot slash bee balm, and switchgrass. So today, the tea I have right now is some lovely blueberry tea by Celestial Seasonings. I really needed a little something to help <laughs> my throat and to be able to speak um, clearly and more confidently. So there you have it. For this episode, I would say that these plants are native-ish to North America because uh, just because these four plant spirits are native to Colorado and other plants of North America doesn't mean that these native, well, doesn't mean that these plants are native to all parts of North America but they have their varieties and can be found in various parts of the country. If you listened to the first episode of this podcast, you know that I am from Colorado and I am working on creating a relationship with the local plant spirits, especially in my neighborhood. However, the pinyon pine tree and choke cherry plant spirits have been with my family for generations and I'm still forging my own relationship with them. The plant spirits I'm beginning to work with that are newer are the wild bergamot slash bee balm and switchgrass. I planted wild bergamot in my backyard in this past year um, in my clay loamy soil since I am taking a regenerative farming course and it's mentioned that the plant native plants tend to do better in that type of soil so... I did plant a little bit later in the season, so they're just now like little saplings or little seedlings, I should say, little seedlings. So we'll see what they look like when they're fully grown. Working with local plant and land spirits is a very important part of my practice. I am always learning about new offerings I can give them or do for them. So recently I have been picking up local litter and offering water when I can. It's been super hot outside very hot outside in Colorado. It's, I think, going to be in the hundreds in this next week. So it's kind of wild. So as I have begun working more with them, I realized I haven't found too much information regarding some of these plants. So I thought I'd share what I have experienced so far in hopes to inspire others to work with them and learn more about what is around in their area if they haven't done so already. Disclaimer, it is important to note that if you are foraging these plants, forge ethically and sustainably. Only take what you need, small amounts from healthy plant spirits, and leave plenty for critters and future forests. Some of the plants mentioned in this episode are poisonous if used improperly and can cause illness or death. Please do not use any of the information to poison yourself or others. There are many safe ways to work with some of these plant spirits without consuming them. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not meant to treat, diagnose, or replace treatments or diagnoses. I'm not responsible for any adverse events. From the information discussed, always consult a medical professional or dietitian before consuming any plant and do your research on what is safe for you. Keep in mind that these correspondences are personal to my practice and they may differ from yours and I'm choosing to keep some additional correspondence details private. Thank you for understanding. Now let's move on to the episode. All right, so first off is the Colorado Pinon. You can spell it P-I-N-Y-O-N or P-I-N with a tilde O-N. My grandfather used to take my dad and his siblings to pick pinones frequently here in Colorado, like annually if they could. My dad says uh, he remembers taking back pillowcases upon pillowcases full of pinones and would divide them up amongst aunties, uncles, 
neighbors, family, friends, you name it. And now he takes me. This food is special to me and will always be because of this. Um, because of its like generational practice, I'm very grateful that my dad could teach me this and he is willing to pass it on. My father explained they would lay a tarp at the base of the tree and they would shake the tree and some branches so the seeds would fall onto the tarp for collection and then later they would roast and salt the seeds. So today when we cannot harvest some ourselves, we purchase some from local vendors on the sides of roads or parking lots. The price does vary year by year if we do this though because some, some years the harvest is good and some years the harvest is bad. It's just the nature of the tree. The pinyon pine is an evergreen and evergreen trees live for a very long time. This one particularly particularly up to 1,000 years. There are many types of pinyon trees, but I will list two predominant ones. The two-needle pinyon, aka the Colorado pinyon, is native to what is now known as the United States of America. Their growth averages about six feet every hundred years of ideal growing conditions. And where it's located in the United States is in Colorado, southern Wyoming, eastern and central Utah, northeastern Arizona, New Mexico, western Oklahoma, southeastern California, and the Guadalupe Mountains in far western Texas. Oh, and as well as northern Mexico. The single needle pinyon is a pine in the pinyon pine group, also native to North America. It's located in the southernmost Idaho region, western Utah, Arizona, southwest New Mexico, Nevada, eastern and southern California, and northern Baja California. Overall, there are about eight species of true pinyon, and additional um, pinyon trees are related to Mexican species, mostly also called pinyons. The pinyon pine provides healing to the soil by providing organic matter, um, well, not providing, by increasing the organic matter within the soil, making the soil more fertile. The pine nuts themselves are also rich in nutrition and the sap is a natural antiseptic. The multiple seeds, um, so the pinyons, the, or pinones, the pine nuts, are encased in a hard shell themselves and carried by a pinyon, so it's like shell upon shell. And pine cones are also known to be protective. They have little thorns on the end of each of their um, like scales, little branches that kind of stick out from their core. And pine trees are also protective in their natural qualities because their needles are also quite sharp at the tips. I correspond pinones to fortune. My family and I feel extremely fortunate to come across a good harvest and then consume them during the winter. They are also quite the treat. And again, just to reiterate, the pine cones have or carry quite a bit of pinones within them themselves. A good harvest averages about every four years, although the range is anywhere between four to seven, four to seven years. So year to year, the harvest and quality of the harvest does vary. And to me, this represents its strength and resilience to continue on with life, even if not yielding ideal results at times, and until a good harvest is here again. An easy way to work with piñones or pine nuts is just buy some from the store. It'll do the same thing. I don't know if you all have heard of like the McCormick coven, <laughs> so to speak, but it kind of has the same general concept. Like don't be afraid to use what you have at your local grocery store. All right, so let's summarize some correspondences with the piñon pine tree. Planetary, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. Element, air, fire, water, earth, and therefore spirit. Magical, immortality, eternal life, healing, balancing, and grounding, inner strength and resilience, fertility, prosperity, 
fortune in protection and cleansing. Next on the list, we have choke cherry, which is not to be confused with the aronia called choke berries. That's different. So this is the choke cherry. So for choke cherry, my grandmother always loved choke cherries for her birthday or holidays. My family and I would give her choke cherry jam, syrup, and or honey, and she would pair it with a toast or a biscuit. Native to Colorado, these ruby gems have always and will always have a special place in my heart. Uh, my husband, brother, and I were on a late summer hike and found choke cherries in the mountains. I snapped a picture of them. They weren't ripe, I don't think. They were a little bit too small. And it just reminded me of my grandmother. She is no longer physically here on this plane of existence, um, but I do see her every year at Dia de los Muertos as I honor her. So anyway, choke cherry also has a very special place in my heart. Um, the choke cherry, commonly known as bitterberry, Virginia birdberry, Virginia bird cherry, and western choke cherry. Also, um, black choke cherry is a variant. Choke cherry is a species of bird cherry native to North America, and it is also a relative of black cherry of eastern North America. The name choke cherry is also used for the related Manchurian cherry or Amur choke cherry, A M U R. <laughs> And there are three known varieties. The natural historic range that choke cherry covers includes most of Canada, including northwestern territories, um, excluding what is now known as Yukon, Nunavant, and Labrador. Sorry if I butchered that. Most of the United States, including Alaska, but excluding some of the states in the southeast and northern Mexico. Choke cherries are deep red and purple, almost in color when ripe, and are high in antioxidants, quinic acid, flavonoids, and more. And the most common ways of consuming this berry is through jellies, jams and syrups, and butters, etc., um, because they are known to have an astringent taste if you don't add sugar. Um, because of the bitter and astringent taste, the sugar does help combat the bitterness that provides, or excuse me, that the plant comes with, so to speak. Most parts of the plant contain cyanide, so be careful, um, including the seeds within the berries. So again, be careful and do your research before processing. Although if you do plan on consuming choke cherry, I would just suggest you order choke cherry food products online from reputable sources um, where they have been tested for safety. So I usually buy my like local, um, I buy some local choke cherry jam in the mountains when I go up there. And that's how I get my choke cherry. Because they are part of the rose family, also like plums, cherries, peaches, almonds, etc. Choke cherries are astringent, as I mentioned earlier, and parts of the plants are poisonous if consumed. Please do your research. I cannot emphasize this enough, which is why I'm saying it again. All choke cherry trees are toxic. But not all parts, not all the time, and not to all species, even though I just said all choke cherry trees are toxic. <laughs> the poisonous cyanide-producing compounds build up when the plants um, are grown under certain conditions, such as high nitrogen, low phosphorus soil, um, just before pollination, or when the plant is damaged. They produce beautiful white flowers and are in full bloom when young prairie falcons are about to fledge. The correspondences for choke cherry are planetary, Venus and Mercury, 
element, fire and water, magical, healing and warding, love, passion and romance, protection, strength, overcoming obstacles and binding. Third on the list is wild bergamot, otherwise known as bee balm. Avoid internal use while pregnant, trying to become pregnant or breastfeeding for this. Wild bergamot is part of the mint family and again is also known as bee balm because it is a type of honey plant due to its citrusy aroma attracting various pollinators, including hummingbirds, which is pretty cool. And they have an antiseptic compound known as xylemol, which is an ingredient in some commercial mouthwashes, which is a pretty cool fact. It's also known for having antimicrobial, antispasmodic, decongestant, analgesic, digestive, and anti-inflammatory properties. It has a relatively high essential oil content containing compounds that give it the properties listed above. And peoples indigenous to North America, including but not limited to Blackfoot and Winnebago, have used this plant in poultices, salves, or teas to soothe chest and other respiratory issues, digestive issues, headaches, and skin issues, along with just using it for some good old food seasoning. When using it in tea, sweeten with honey or sweetener of your choice because it can be a bit bitter. There are a wide variety of wild bergamot species out there and their flowers can range in color from whites, reds, and various shades of purple. However, the one I'm discussing is more of a light purple in color. And that's the one I am growing in my backyard. They also have numerous gorgeous petals, of course. Alrighty, so the correspondences in summary for wild bergamot slash bee balm are planetary, mercury, Saturn, element, air, magical, protection, purification, dispelling negative energies and warding off negative energies slash evil, transformation and balance, healing and cleansing, attraction, prosperity, abundance, and love. Lastly, we have switchgrass, and this is not for human consumption, so please keep that in mind. <laughs> this is a perennial warm season prairie bunchgrass slash tallgrass that produces rhizome, meaning it grows roots and shoots from its nodes. This allows for switchgrass to grow new shoots upwards. Switchgrass also yields about 100 pounds of seeds per acre, so that's quite a bit, and some people view this as a type of weed. Switchgrass is common in Colorado, and it's an important drought-resistant cover crop. Its dense root system helps to conserve the soil, prevent soil erosion, and increases organic matter within the soil, making the soil more fertile, just like the pinyon pine. If you look at switchgrass, you can see how high the plant can grow above ground which is about 2.7 meters or eight feet and 10 inches in length, but their root system is twice and a half as long as the grass or can be, and usually is. Because of this, its height is effective in blocking the wind above ground, of course, and it increases soil permeability and prevents soil erosion below ground. Most of its growth occurs during late spring and early fall, and in the winter, it becomes dormant 
When faced with fire during summer, although the above ground parts are destroyed with the flames, it often lives since its rhizomes are below ground and can continue to grow upward. That's where those nodes come in and are very important for this plant. However, again, with any fire, this depends on how intense the fire is. Otherwise, if the fire were to burn while the plant is dormant, the fire will not destroy the switchgrass and it will continue to grow the following season. This plant spirit provides game cover for pheasants, quail, grouse, wild turkey, and other fowl as well. In a few studies, this plant has been found to be toxic to horses, sheep, and goats. Overall, this is an adaptable plant because it can grow and even thrive, just not survive in other various weather conditions, soil types, and seasons. And because of this, there is a very diverse range of different species of switchgrass, each unique to its environment with visible differences across each species. Some correspondences in summary for switchgrass are planetary, Jupiter, element, air, and earth, magical, protection and cloaking, stability, strength, and vigor, perseverance, fertility, road opening, and prosperity. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope I inspired others to get to know their local plant spirits and sit with them and ruminate with them as well. I just wanted to note that each plant spirit is unique. Um, so if you find like switchgrass or wild bergamot in your area, I encourage you to sit with that plant spirit and try to speak with it. It may have different correspondences or would like to be used for different correspondences and may not work with other correspondences. There was a plant when I traveled to Greece where I sat down with it and it felt like it was giving me more platonic love energy rather than romance. So for me, it represented platonic love, the specific plant in Greece, at least the one that was like right outside my Airbnb window. So that's just a good example of what you can do. And I encourage you just to spend time and connect with your local plant spirits. And it may take more than a one time to figure out how they speak to you and what they correspond with to you. It takes time and be patient. (laughs) Good things come in time. If you'd like a transcript of this episode, please visit the Amber and Amulets website at amberandamulets.com, A-M-B-E-R-A-N-D-A-M-U-L-E-T-S.com. And I'll see y'all in a few weeks. Remember, there's magic in the everyday. Bye, y'all.